Welcome back to the Dr. Supercoach podcast. You're on once again with your boy Cheezo. I'm back. I've just escaped Edge of Extinction Island and I've come back at the end of the season to win just like in Supercoach Pistol. How are you, champion? Great to have you on. <laughs> just like in Supercoach. Um, I'm not sure what type of Supercoach game you're playing, Cheezo, but whatever it is, I want in. Uh, it's the one where you just barnstorm at the end of the year and there's this thing, I'm not sure if you're familiar with it, it's called the Cheezo Chase Down. And uh, a lot of, you know, really big podcasters out there that think they're in the top 1K and going well, they actually just burn through all their trades, just trying to get as far ahead as possible, as quickly as possible, and just holding on for grim death, just hoping this, you know, this chase down doesn't happen. Yes. Well, look, <laughs> look, I'm looking, I'm looking at your rank, I'm looking at my rank. Um, I think we've been switching every single week for like the last three weeks or so. So I'm not too worried now. I think uh, there's only, what, like five rounds to go. So I think I can hold my little lead on you. Um, I've crept right back into the top 1K. So basically, if you want to catch me, uh, you're going to need to put in some serious work. Well, mate, I've still got three trades remaining, so uh, I can use those to my little advantage here, I think. You know, some people might have Hearn and might have no trades, and, uh, you know, if you're in my position, I might just be able to flick him to a Whitfield or something like that. Well, I mean, let's let's talk about Hearn since you've just brought him up. Wow, <laughs> this, is, this might be the quickest we've ever jumped into Supercoach content. We'll have to touch on that. <laughs> We'll have to touch on the uh, the Cancer Council and Patreon just in a little a little moment, so it's a, a little out of order, but... It's big, isn't it? It's something that we do really need to, to talk about. Yes, so the Shannon Hearn late withdrawal probably took us uh, all by surprise. He hasn't really been right since he came back from injury um, a fortnight ago. Of course, that was when I traded him in as well, so um, it's been awful <laughs> uh, for myself, but... It's an old man injury, a calf injury. They they said it wasn't. He didn't tear anything. It was more of a, a calf awareness uh, type injury. Chiso, do you see that potentially holding him out for another week, or or do you think he'd be uh, firmly back in this or this round? Well, it's the short turnaround time because they played on the Sunday and late on the Sunday. Uh, there's travel involved. He's coming from Alice. It's not an easy uh, trip just getting out of there back to WA. There's definitely going to be some impact on his potential recovery in the week coming. Um, and so particularly with this type of injury and at this you know age group, we're looking, um, even with a Josh Kelly who's done a full tear, um, you're looking at an extensive amount of weeks on the sidelines. For someone like Shannon Hearn, particularly coming back from injury, um, I think it was his, his hamstring before pistol, correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, but also with their team leading into the finals, they're going to be extra cautious with him. So definitely, definitely he is going to be right on the fence this week about whether they play him or, play him or not. And uh, honestly, I think they err on the side of caution. They, uh, uh, If he's feeling any sort of tightness in that calf whatsoever, he's not going to play. All right, so let's put yourself in my shoes. Uh, you have Shannon Hearn now on your field and you have zero bench cover. Uh, what do you do? Do you just cop the tr- the donut because he's you know one of the few defenders averaging over a hundred, or are you looking at maybe sidewaysing him out to uh, somebody in form? Well, the question is, is the person that you're going to trade him out to going to accumulate more points than what Shannon Hearn? would have if he comes back the next week. So if you're trading out to someone that's averaging, you know, mid to low 90s, the chances are that Hearn is going to make up a significant chunk of those points over that time. And while he might not uh, eclipse their total points in value, that extra trade at this stage of the season, particularly um, coming into the last couple of weeks, is going to be significantly important. So uh, I'd be definitely erring on the side of caution unless you're someone that doesn't have Whitfield, who is getting to literally the bottom of his price point really seems like a simple sideways in that situation but um, that's kind of a desperate measure if you uh, need to win your game in the DRSC Cup, for example, Pistol, that could be an option. Um, or if you've got to make finals in your league, you're looking to try and make it into the top eight, it's definitely something you can look at uh, if you don't have the likes of a Whitfield or a Lloyd or a higher scorer in that situation. Um, but considering his scoring potential, I think hold is going to be the first and foremost decision. It all depends on what trades you have and what kind of swings and stuff you have available if you can open something up by using a trade, potentially getting onto the bench and being out to use some DPP. Well, for starters, I'm long gone in the cup, so that's definitely uh, not my situation. <laughs> you and me both, mate. <laughs> We're going to get to that in a second. <laughs> but 
if you have to look at that question, I think the the first thing you need to think is, am I already full primo? If you have up other upgrades to make, I wouldn't really be looking at trading out Hearn. But if your team is fully premium and you finished it, but you don't have Lockie Wheatfield, I would totally consider, well, I probably would just pull the trigger on going Hearn to Whitfield because I can seriously see Whitfield going 110 plus on the run home. They have great fixtures, GWS, which we'll talk about a bit later. And I think you'll miss out on a lot more points if you don't have Whitfield in your team, you know, over the next month. Yeah, and considering that uh, Shannon Hearn's 118k and Whitfield is 100, and, uh, sorry, uh, 518 and Whitfield is 521, you literally only have to have chump change in your bank account to just go sideways in that instance. Like it seems like a really simple solution for me. Yes, except uh, also some of us have no trades, Chizo, so yeah. we can't do anything about it anyway. So in that instance, I'd recommend you cop the trade because there's not much you can do. <laughs> I will, I'd love to cop a trade, Chizo. <laughs> cop a um, donut we'll, even. Do you want to keep going with a little bit of the, the, the injury stuff or the, the super coach stuff to start off with and we'll get into housekeeping or, or you just jump back into uh, the normal run of things? Uh, well, let's, let's talk about Fife because okay, we've really yeah, talked... That, that's what we're about. leading into. Yeah, we've, we've already spoken about Hearn. Um, Fife is kind of different because, again, he says probably back this week, but we don't really know. Anything else that you've heard this week, Chizo, that might suggest otherwise? So the first thing that I want to point out, and um, is I, couldn't, I didn't really have the means to um, explain this a little bit last week. I tried my best on Twitter, but it just kind of went over a lot of people's heads, I think, in the <laughs> fact that bursitis and being on IV antibiotics in a hospital are completely two separate conditions. Like um, bursitis is just inflammation of the bursal fluid for that uh, that joint. Uh, that is completely separate to having an infection in there and affection within the joint. Um, and because they haven't come out and said this is definitively what is going on, we can only speculate. Um, you can have infective bursitis, you could have septic arthritis. There's a lots of conditions and you can probably tell by the name of them, not they're universally not great. They're completely separate just having a bit of a boo-boo on your elbow. So if you've been in hospital for three days on IV antibiotics it's generally not a good sign and I really wouldn't be surprised if this time period extends into multiple weeks like it goes from one week to two weeks to three weeks because it's just not recovering as well as we'd like so in terms of what I think it was Ross Lyon I, I, I forget the quote exactly was um, his typical fence fence sitting was I really wish that he'll be back this week but he might not be but he could be back this week so Ross Lyon and Freo are giving us basically no indication of what's going on we can only go on the general consensus of uh, of the information they have released and anything that's infective is generally not great and with someone like Fife that already has that pre-existing elbow condition I would be really surprised if this doesn't at least go into two, maybe three weeks in, in terms of not playing. I feel like for Fife, you'd have to cut off his arm to stop him from playing though. So he hopefully will be back this week. And if not, Dylan Clark, who is, I'd say, majority of people's bench cover, does play Gold Coast this week. So it's not the worst fixture. Um, he is you know, doing a great job at the moment in filling in for Fife to the, to the best of his ability. So for me, it's still going to just be a hold, even if it's one of those one week, one week, one week. Uh, it's just one of those things that you either traded him last week or now you're just in, in for the haul, I think. Yeah, and and just to, to talk about Dill Clark here a little bit, he's been fantastic in our sort of resurgence in the back half of the year, but he does his best work when he's matched up on someone. So this week coming up against Gold Coast at Metricon, is he going to have a definitive role that's going to have him around the ball and accumulating and tackling is the question for me. I'm not sure there's the type of midfield potential at the Gold Coast that they would be worried about really shutting down against the Essendon midfield if you if you kind of pick up what I'm putting down there mate so I, I'm <laughs> kind of a little bit worried that this is going to bring him back towards the 50 mark rather than into the mid 70s 
Even if he kind of plays small forward, though, which is kind of the role that he reverts to when he's not in the midfield. Yeah, weirdly, for some reason. He'll probably still score well against the Gold Coast. That's my hope, anyway. Um, So, I guess a good matchup, a good team to play against is always going to be a good team to play against if you're in the midfield or going forward against the weaker side. Um, Chizo, if Fife were to be traded out, which kind of players would you be looking at to replace him with? Um, well, towards the end of... Uh, I'm not sure if you're leading this deliberately, Pistol, but I'm going to take it there. Uh, towards the back end of the year, uh, you're not just looking at the highest scorers or any of these premiums that you, you may uh, have missed in your upgrade. You're kind of looking at who's going to have that good finals run, that good you know, three or four weeks towards the back end of the season. Maybe they play um, Gold Coast and St Kilda in that run and they're going to have a great finish to the year. You're looking at more of a um, fixture matching more so than just picking someone that has scored well over the first 18 rounds of the year. Does that kind of, uh, kind of make sense where I'm coming from with that? Definitely. So um, some players with good run homes, especially of the premium midfielder variety, I think that we should talk about, um, I mean, how much more can we talk about Zach Merritt? He's been in our discussions, you know, every week for like the last six weeks, but their run home um, is is very soft. We've got Gold Coast this week, Port Adelaide at Marvel, Bulldogs at Marvel, uh, Fremantle away, and then Collingwood to round off uh, the season, which is probably the toughest matchup left for them. But Zach Merritt is in decent form at the moment, and you would expect him at, you know, just 492k to make a complete mockery of that price. He can match it with the big boys, so he's certainly right up on my, I guess, shopping list. Um, I'm not going to talk about Mitch Duncan again because we have spoken about him plenty as well. Um, two other players I would consider, Adam Trelaw. I know Taylor Adams was back, but it didn't really seem like that was going to affect Trelaw. Nor did it seem like Collingwood's, I guess, complete lack of being able to function as a unit um, just didn't seem to affect him. He still put out the 116 points, and he has been incredibly consistent this season since round five he's only put up two sub tons which is just insane chizo yeah. um, basically he's only put up four sub tons the entire season so he's just ultra ultra consistent and plays four of the last five games at the mcg where he does score decently um, richmond this week might be uh, a little bit tough but afterwards he's got gold coast melbourne Adelaide and Essendon so another great run home um, for Trelaw and he's not in that many sides as well um, compared to other options around this price so for, for me Trelaw is uh, a big tick and lastly probably not surprising to anyone is uh, Tim Taranto look he is basically just the number one midfielder now at the Giants until Kelly comes back and he loves it he completely thrives in the games that Canelio hasn't played this season Taranto scored 144 111 and 113 so he he likes likes that responsibility um I'm obviously including the game that Canelio got injured in like the first minute as well um but on the run home as well they've got Port Adelaide Sydney Swans Hawthorne Western Bulldogs and Gold Coast so um another kind run he is cheap at 508k whilst he hasn't had I guess the average that the other premium midfielders have I think he's definitely got a massive ceiling and I think his yeah potential um on the way home, especially in the Supercoach finals, is just uh, up there with the best. All right, I'll, I'll throw a name at you that a lot of us here would be happy to have in our sides. Uh, probably not so much in the last you know nine to ten days, and that in Bontempelli Pistol. Their little run home. I'll just read it to you. We've got the Dockers, Lions, Essendon, Giants, and the Crows. All teams really vying to stake their claim over uh, you know the finals in 2019 is there any potential that little run towards the back end there they only play two games at um, what they would call uh, home ground uh, at Marvel one's against the Dockers one against Essendon Uh, they play Lions away they play Giants away and then they play the Crows at Mars Um, is there any kind of reason is that leading you into thinking that someone like Bont if you didn't have him you'd be keeping you away from him considering uh, his little ankle issue as well yeah that's it I feel like there's plenty of good picks right now I mean Bont 
is still a good pick, but there's that little bit of doubt with that ankle and, you know, how that's going to affect him. He did get decent amount of midfield time in the first half, but then switch more forward um, later in the game. And only the 70 points isn't a great return. I just think if I'm picking somebody now, like coming from Fife who's injured in the scenario that you're trading out Fife, or even if you're doing a final upgrade, I don't want to grab somebody who has some little bit of injury doubt. I just would rather pick somebody else and I think those names that are thrown out are, are much safer and um, one I didn't mention was Elliot Yo, um, who I got last week he's only in the 5% of teams as well but man that was he was on like 35 heading close to three quarter time and I just was panicking um, and then you finished with 114 Chizo. so um, it was a, it was a full yo-yo game but I, I, <laughs> I, would, I wouldn't recommend it I, I couldn't take that very well <laughs> yeah uh, another one that might be worth considering is uh, Clayton Oliver I know he's a little bit more owned a little less unique uh, but he has the Gilda this week then he has Richmond Collingwood Sydney and North all which seem to suit his contested ball winning ways a little bit particularly uh, Sydney and North uh, Pistol so he might be a sneaky option considering uh, his little run coming into the finals. And and just his general um, kind of resurgence towards the back end of the year where he started to pump out those big 140s that we know he can do when he gets up and running. All right, so I definitely agree with that. But now that we've kind of identified teams with, uh, well, players from teams with good runs on the way home, maybe we can just look at a couple of players, maybe some Smokies um, in the back line and in the forward line as well. Maybe some people are doing their you know, final upgrades. And then I'm going to put you on the spot and ask you a question. That I just, I just love of. it when you do this. It's, it's probably my favorite thing ever. <laughs> you wait until the second half of the question, which is just going to be way harder as well. Um, but let's look into the forward line. <laughs> no one knows this is completely unplanned. Like you just, you have these written down on a little notepad and you're just like, I can't wait to get, you know, nine and a half minutes in, this is just popping out. I can't wait for it. <laughs> Yes, yeah, so tell me it. all your thoughts on your you know unique forward options <laughs> that people might not have <laughs> heading into considered. the coach finals with really good draws. <laughs> yeah, that 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 is a, uh, a a really good question there, Pistol. I'm not stalling at all whatsoever. Um, talk to me about Michael Walters. I I I, I understand that um, we're looking for someone a little bit unique, uh, but the fact is he does have that. Um, that match-winning potential. I've been expecting him to fall off a little bit, and those uh, now that he's not uh, kicking the winning goals at the end of the games um, to get those big scoring boosts that he had uh, probably two months ago. Um, we've seen that price just come down a little bit to 500k, but he's still able to impact uh, the game. And another 104 on the weekend uh, wouldn't be the most terrible option, particularly um, with a three and five round average, both in the 90s there, mate. No, he could definitely be a solid POD. Um, I am looking at somebody a little bit more unique who's averaged almost the same and has a brilliant run home. And that's actually Jack Billings, Chizo. He is actually somebody who averages incredibly well uh, in the final month of the last three seasons. Uh, for some reason, he just slaughters his uh season average in the last month he he goes big and he's coming off a 113 against uh bulldogs maybe a, a new coach bounce or whatever you might call it but with that run home where he's got melbourne adelaide Fremantle, carlton sydney i feel like saints are going to win a couple of these games and we already know that billings is somebody that goes much larger in wins than losses he's averaging already 98 for the season I can definitely see him averaging, you know, 105 plus um, across these last five matches. And I think that he's a, a pretty big POD um, if you're looking for super coach finals and somebody that has a high ceiling as well. So potentially could get you some league wins along the way. Um, he did score 169 earlier this season. So he's somebody that we're looking at. And we've mentioned him uh, in the previous podcast, but maybe we need to look at him probably a little bit harder. But it's a, a bit difficult because it's a bit of a sore spot for us, Chizo. You, JB, and I all started him this season. No, don't. don't I, I was trying to figure out where you are going with this. <laughs> just don't bring those memories back, mate. I've just repressed them. So, Toby Green is 
in 9% of sides. He's 450k. He's got that sweet, sweet GWS draw, the same as Lockie Whitfield and Tim Taranto. And he's coming off a 138 against Richmond and 112 against Collingwood. Obviously, he's getting a bit more midfield time um, with you know a couple of the outs. Is he potentially somebody who could just win it for you on the run home? It's, you're making it hard to argue. I mean, this is why I hate this question. You've been planning for the last seven days for this exact question, and then you pop it to me <laughs> on the spot and make me answer first. <laughs> Billing, yes. sorry. Correct. Uh, I'll start with Billings. Billings was one that I was looking at last week as a, a final uh, forward upgrade, and I'm really just kicking myself I didn't grab him in the end because that run home you mentioned is just fantastic. Um, Toby Green likewise has had this resurgence because he is getting that midfield time whether he continues to get that when Josh Kelly returns in one two however many weeks it's probably going to be another six week uh, injury knowing uh, Josh Kelly and GWS the fact that it's role dependent does worry me a little bit um, but at that price I, I can't see any reason why you'd be saying no because we've always known that he's got the fantasy game to um, just post these incredible scores. And now that he's got that perfect role that we're looking for, uh, I think that 9% of teams that do have him is going to be loving it. All right, so I'm going to now jump into the back line. Maybe I won't ask you the question because, as you said, I've had a week to prepare this. (laughs) (laughs) No, why not? Shoot it. What what can I do? Say something wrong? (laughs) It's not like anyone's got any trades left anyway. (laughs) That is true, actually. Um, But there are a couple of names I'm just going to throw out, maybe with a a brief explanation of why I like them. Um, Jack Crisp, another POD, 9% of... of, um, teams that he's in he has had a decent month nothing fantastic last match against GWS he pretty much didn't score in the first quarter and then scored his 66 points all in the last three quarters he was thrown into the midfield and got some big numbers the previous month before that he had a low of 99 so he's hit some good form but he's got those easy fixtures at the MCG I think he's going to rack up the ball and he could potentially uh, deliver some I guess scores with a, a high floor so he's not going to knock you out of finals by like randomly putting up a 50 I don't think so he's one that um, I've certainly looked at. Um, Chizo, another person that I like is only in 1% of sides. Probably a little bit surprising given how well he scored this year. I'm not sure if you're going to guess it even if I gave you 100 guesses so I'm just going to tell you and that's uh, Darcy Byrne-Jones. He's 525k <laughs> 1% of teams. He's only averaging 88 for the year, but he's got a five-round average of 107. Now, if you look at his season in a, a little bit more detail, since round nine, he's actually averaged 103 and has a low of 80 and uh, alongside five tons. So he's he goes big sometimes. And this run home from Port Adelaide in Supercoach Finals in particular is uh, particularly good. Next week against GWS isn't great, but then Supercoach Finals start and you've got Essendon, Swans, North Melbourne and Fremantle. For a massive, massive POD that has this type of ceiling that Darcy Burns-Jones has, I think you could do a little bit worse, Chizo. You could. You could uh, definitely do worse than Darcy Burgess. It's surprising because he's one of those unassuming players. I, I, like when you're watching the game, you don't tend to notice him a whole lot. And I think that's um, really important in a lot of these defensive players that you, you see in the game is that when they're not making um, big flashy plays, you don't really notice them as much. Whereas he just seems to be that um, that unassuming grunt work kind of uh, defender that helps them with their, their drive out of the back half. And so 100 guesses, I wouldn't have guessed it in 1,000, mate. I would have been starting <laughs> to go through the midfielders before I guessed Darcy Ben-Jones. Uh, I'll throw you my unique potential uh, um, uh, defensive option. What about a, a Christian Salem or a Christian Salim as uh, a JB pronounced it uh, that time that I'll never let him live down? 5% of teams... <laughs> Five-round average of 112, three-round average of 107, uh, averaging 98 from the year. Uh, a nice little run, I think, against Saints, who will be coming hard against them this week. Tigers, uh, very fast and open play. And same with the the Pies the week after, might help him with his scoring. A, a little bit of a, a lockdown kind of uh, Swans and North uh, in the last two round of the game, uh, rounds of the year. But he wouldn't be too bad at only just uh, 507K as well. He's another sneaky option. 
Yeah, he's definitely a big POD for the run home as well. And I like those players that have that high ceiling that could, you know, snag you a win. He's, he's gone above 133 times this season. So not a bad suggestion, Cheezo. Um, I'm, I'm quite, I did it. quite happy with that one. See, um, this, when, you, when you let me answer second, sometimes I can find a little gem. <laughs> <laughs> I just have to talk for a really long time so that you can, like, quickly scroll, look at the stats. Um there is one one more player I'm going to touch on that's sub 400k just because I know some players are, are struggling to finish out their backline. It's a little bit of a punt. Um, I I'm quite sorry, it's a... like... It's a little bit of a punt. Oh, okay, yep. no, just make sure liked, I heard correctly. Yep. <laughs> I've quite enjoyed watching him um, in the last month. He has a very good role charging off that back square. So he's, he's playing in the back line, but he, he definitely is charging through the midfield um, at times throughout the game. 396k, 1% of teams, and that's Hunter Clark. I was, look, I was, I was, li- if you had let me guess this time under 400, I would have got it. I'm literally hovering over his name. <laughs> and I well, know why. I know why. What what is your connection with Hunter Clark there, Pistol? He has scored in the last month um, against Richmond 105, uh, North 64, Geelong 120, and Western Bulldogs 98. And I purposely didn't answer your question, Chief. <laughs> purposely didn't answer because uh, he basically single handedly this week rendered me last in the Doctor Supercoach Keeper League. <laughs> He did. Um, I was basically needing a, a 93 plus from him to get the to get the win to ensure a Chizo last place finish and a, a 98. And I was watching him like a hawk, and he is a good footballer. <laughs> and then after after his um, his fantastic score to get you just off the bottom and lift your head above water and get above me. Um, and a little play on words there, Pistol, because the punishment for coming last in our Keeper League is uh, a, an ice bucket challenge. And I'm looking forward to watching you do it, Cheezo. Look, if, there was, if I was living down south where you are, mate, I might be a little bit worried, but up in the tropics, you know, this is just something we do on a daily basis just to cool down. That's true. I never really thought about that. No wonder <laughs> this you is made not a that punishment, the, mate. Yeah. <laughs> no wonder you made that the punishment. It's like for everyone else, we're like terrified, and you're like, uh, "This is going to be fine." <laughs> oh no! What a terrible thing! <laughs> this awful, awful thing that is going to happen to me. Yeah, but I, I, I don't mind that at all. Saints run home is going to be uh, fantastic, and he's starting to develop, which um, kind of leads to me thinking like, why he wasn't given um, that development time, you know, early on in the season, and and compared to last year as well, like. Hey, he's clearly got the skill. He's clearly going to become... Um, he's probably going to develop into a running halfback before he becomes that midfielder that uh, I think he, he should end up developing into. Um, probably end up being more of a Callum Mills than a, a straight into the midfield kind of kind of player. But, uh, yeah, I agree with you. That little run home. Could see some nice scores from uh, Hunter Clark. So now for my actual hard question. So though, I was giving you the warm-up question, Shizo. So... <laughs> Just, just bring it upon you. Um, <laughs> Go. Come on, mate. Hit me with it. Hit me I'm with sorry. It. It's funny because Shizu goes to all this effort to make like a run sheet and have it all organized. And then I don't say anything. And then I come on the podcast and then I just mess up his order of his podcast by talking about Hearn at the beginning, not even letting him get into the Patreon or Cancer Council. Now I'm just throwing questions in, completely wrecking his run sheet. Hit me with Shizu, it. Come on. My question I have for you is, a lot of people have conserved trades up until now. They might have four trades, they might have five. If they're lucky, they've got six trades. But when do you actually use them? Like, how late do you get where you're like, oh no, like I've, I've saved up too many. There's not enough rounds left and I haven't got enough bang for my buck. So if you had finished your team now and you've got six trades left, when do you start sideways trading out the underperforming players into performing premiums? Like when when is it too late to make a move? I wouldn't just be burning them willy-nilly in that, situation I would be highlighting someone in my team that is letting me down uh, specifically looking at someone like uh, maybe an Isaac Heaney that his variance could definitely lose you games week upon week um, probably more often than he's going to win you a game so I might look in that instance where um, if I've got excess trades, I might be looking to see if I can, uh, even if you have to do a, a little cash grab, that's not going to be the worst either um, because we've got the likes of maybe an Ian Hill um, from GWS uh, mid-four DPP also helps. Maybe you're looking to trade down a Brett Buley or someone like that. Um, it is going to overall make your side better because 
in inverted commas, full premium doesn't necessarily mean, um, you know, the maximum scoring potential that you can possibly get. So players that are still running with Warple at F6 or, you know, maybe you have um, a, a, like, a likewise player in, in the back line, I would be looking to upgrade those positions as opposed to saying, oh, this player doesn't have a great run. I'm just going to directly sideways swap him with someone else and hope in this instant they outscore the player I've traded out. I'd be looking to um, pick someone up that's going to be getting, on average, 10 or 15 points more over the course of the rest of the season rather than just match up um, trading, if that makes sense. So I can understand if you like Mr. Rowan Marshall and you're doing a Heaney to Marshall. But yeah, absolutely. What if, what if you didn't quite... What if you didn't miss Marshall and you, and you have Heaney and maybe you don't think it's worth going to someone like Billings? What about getting in a cheap F7 instead? So maybe burning two trades, but guaranteeing, guaranteeing you like solid premium cover um, instead. Would that be a route that you'd rather go down? In that instance, you're probably looking at someone maybe 400, under 400K. I don't think you're looking for an F7 that... Um, realistically is going to be 450 or above which means you're probably looking at the likes of I think Jeremy Cameron's cheap I think it's just over 400k um, I, I yeah I can definitely see that as being a, a decent option I mean we're talking about what to do with Hearn right now what to do with Fife right now we're going to bring on which rookie do we have available many people are playing low there's absolutely the benefit from getting a um, a player in this instance. The best thing that I can, the, the, what I wanted to do with Darcy Moore, this was my whole grand scheme pistol, was I was going to have his DPP link to be my forward and my defence cover. If I had a, a premium out in both lines, I'm just unlucky, I'm stuffed. But it allowed me on any given week to flick him forward or back and just bank on like a 75 or 80. Like I was pretty happy with that. If you get a DPP in the let's just take James Warble just because I'm looking at his name right now. Um, for 450k, you've got a 90 averaging someone that can cover you in the midfield and the forward line. I think rather than just getting someone that's locked and loaded as a forward or locked as a midfielder, that DPP is going to be even more handy in helping you save trades in the long run because you won't have to burn more on premiums that have just got injured or dropped. So um, I definitely like that situation as long as you can highlight a player that works best for you. No, that sounds uh, very reasonable to me, Chizo. I think uh, and there are there are people that will end up burning trades on, you know, they don't cop an injury. Um, I, I know one of my mates has six trades, actually, and he's just looking at his team, and he's like, well, do I just trade out Sicily? And it's a tough question to answer because he has the five top-scoring defenders and Sicily, and he's not really going to get much of a benefit by trading, you know, Sicily to the sixth-best defender. Like, there's not really going to be that you know, 10 points per game benefit, as you'd call it. So in that situation, I'd probably rather get bench cover when he has none instead of just making that little sideways trade. Yeah, no, I agree with that. And like, if we're talking about my Isaac Heaney um, example to start with, he's averaging 94 for the year, which is, you know, that's fine. That's probably what we we probably expected a ton from him this year. Um, but you're looking at players that if you've missed out on Dunkley, Danger, Boak, Marshall or Kelly, I know a lot of people have missed Marshall because he's only a 15% of teams. Every every other player is like 20%, 30% plus. Um, so in that that instance, I would I'd definitely... Um, be looking to try and uh, to try and grab someone that is significantly outperforming that player but with Sicily it's all related to his role you know Alistair Clarkson could throw him into the back line and let him be running free next week it's just what Clarko does just for one week to another he'll just give him a different role because he can it's like we saw him up forward because he could put him up forward and you know we're not going to know that until it happens so you could very easily trade Sicily to that you know sixth or seventh averaging defender and then he gets the right role back so you're absolutely right in, in saying that the probably in that instance the most important um if you've got all those top five gun scorers and this is just the the, the fledgling one on the end get your bench cover i think that makes a lot of sense all right so chaser what's next on your uh, little run list there um, well, one of the things I did want to highlight, Pistol, we'll go right back um, and and do some housekeeping. Uh, I just <laughs> wanted to congratulate you and everyone else that has listened to the podcast since 2016. This is our fourth year doing it, uh, Pistol, and I hope you're still enjoying it as much as uh, when we started. I know I am. We've just hit 
half a million listens, mate. So that, that that's wow. uh, that's pretty exciting. Like I'm I'm proud of everyone that has um, supported us and become part of the community and and helped us get to where we are because we love doing this for you guys and we love that you enjoy it. Jeez, that is awesome. Half a million. Yeah. Wow, that's a lot of listens. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and uh, about hundred uh, k of them are me just making sure that my editing's on point. So uh, <laughs> the other four hundred thousand that have listened, that's that's fantastic. And every year is uh, is growing year upon year on the amount of listens. So um, bigger and better things to come. I hope Pistol, and I hope everyone's still still enjoying it. Uh, we will jump into a little bit more housekeeping, mate. The Doctor Supercoach Cup is down to the last sixteen, mate. Um, there's been some nervous times. There's been some tears. There's been some excitement we've got the last 16 big names um battling it out uh to take home the doc supercoach cup mate there's a, a, a it's really hard to get a handle on who is going to win this because there's so many big names that uh have landed i, I think the 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 biggest uh point that we should point out is that all the the podcasters have been knocked out by the stage uh, jb and i fell this week um i i knew i was coming up against lt fables top 100 team i didn't even bother showing up <laughs> yeah, just put the cue in the rack and said, "Yep, good game. Let's uh, hand it on." <laughs> I didn't even have the rack. I was still, I still had me two dollars on the the pool table waiting for my go, but I just couldn't get on the pool table, so I just took my two dollars and left home. I think the most exciting thing is there's still multiple top twenty players overall in the cup. So, <laughs> like, it's absolutely ridiculous how well some of these community players have been ranking and. It's uh, exciting times. Yeah, we had Phelpsy and Eccles come up against this uh, this this week. Phelpsy is sixth overall. I think Eccles is thirty fifth overall, and they're meeting in the round of thirty two. So there's still four more games until we decide the winner. They've got to win four more matches to win, and they were meeting at that point in time. That's the kind of that's a grand final kind of match, and it lived up to the expectation because it was only a thirty point um, win to Phelpsy at the end, and unfortunately Eccles is just going to have to uh, try and win the money and, and rank overall. You know, it's, a, it's not quite the Dr. Supercoach Cup, but I, I think a little bit of uh, prize money might, uh, you know, just cheer him up just a little bit if he gets a good end to the year. <laughs> Maybe. And Chizo, how about you uh, take us through welcoming some of our new patrons? Absolutely. So during the week, we've had a couple new signups. Uh, Michael Weber has been a long-term listener and he's finally jumped on board. Great to have you in there. And Matty J. Now, these two boys, uh, I don't know... I think we've just worn them down over the the period of the year, Pistol. Like just the the repetitive, um, you know, mentioning of the Patreon and how much fun we're having a Slack channel. We've just kind of put that grindstone to them and just you know just ground them to a little pulp, and they finally decide to get in there. Now we can't shut them up. They're they're just <laughs> loving it in there. Have you? I don't think we've ever had a more seamless transition between like two new people um into the slack chat they it's felt like they've been in there for such a long time it's awesome i went in there yesterday and webdog was teaching me how to use the slack because you know like he's just so all above it right now because he's <laughs> he, he just he's, I, 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 you know those apps that kind of track how many minutes that you spend uh, in you know on your phone and things like that i think um i'm trying to think who it was i think it was our pistol put up that it was like six hours in one particular day uh, on, a, on a game day on like a saturday or a sunday it was just spent on slack um in game day chat i just think that that's just incredible just uh, the kind of community that you have in there just uh it, you know everyone in there is for the same enjoyment that we are so um it, it makes it easier on me getting all these tips off you guys look i'm going to say something cheeso okay Al, you, you need to go to life. <laughs> <laughs> and that's coming from me, who doesn't leave my house and just focus on Supercoach all the time. So uh, <laughs> you only you only leave house uh, leave the house when you need to get a service or a reboot or something like that. Yeah, that's it. That's uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. So I'm gonna go through the cancer council because yep. there were a few donate for donuts. I'm not gonna make any assumptions because. Uh, Mumford was playing, so I don't know who was the laid out that caused all of these donuts. I've got a feeling <laughs> it might be Hearn, but we'll see. We'll get through them. Um, so we're going to run through. Thank you very much to Chris Jones. He says, love your work, boys. Love your work, Chris Jones. Long-time listener, first-time caller. A great win by my Hawks, but a big donut on field this week for my newest recruit, Grant Birchall, and I Oof. still love him. So this wasn't a herd donut. I was instantly uh, proven wrong. 
but thank you Chris for your donation and congrats on the Hawks win as well uh, my fiance was very happy with that next up we have Apommy he donates for the Fife Hately Donut the lesson is to stay away from GWS players I'm boycotting them next year you and, know what uh, I, I actually think I agree I don't think there's many GWS players that I would bank on next year they're just they're so, every single one of them seems to be injury prone they, like they miss this game I, which one there's literally no GWS players that we could have picked in fantasy this year that didn't miss through injury Maybe Toronto, if you if you wanted to go that route, but oh, I that's think, true. I didn't I didn't consider that. It, yeah, maybe okay. next. I'll year. take that back. There's one player. <laughs> it's Toronto. Maybe next year. I think probably just the Whitfield instead of my current team, which has uh, Whitfield, Zach Williams. I've had Toby Green, Kelly, Canelio. Um, it's been a mess. So and Hately. So imagine how high you rank if you didn't get GWS players. You probably, probably still have trades better. left, man. You probably still prob- have trades. Yeah, the, the Cornelio and Kelly double up um, was very painful and has continued to be painful for the entire season. Yeah. Um, next up, we have Michael Weber, a familiar name. Um, long-time listener, first-time donator as well. No donut this week, but I did cop one back in 2017. <laughs> 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 so, WebDob, thank you very much. He says, happy to donate and be part of the community, and thank you very much. We... Uh, welcome the donation. So does Accounts Council. And thank you for joining the, the Slack channel as well. It's been <laughs> awesome so far. To uh, Henry Gibbs, he says, Donut for Hearn. And I'm with you there, Gibbs. I will also donate for the Hearn Donut. I'm yet to, to put it in this week. But thank you for your donation. We really appreciate it. Um, and to Tim LRT Perrin, uh, the LRT Godman with the mm-hmm. pictures that we've mentioned before. He says, Donating 13 for Hearn Donut. I don't know what the significance for that is. Not sure. Is that that wasn't his projected score or something? So <laughs> a bit confusing, but um thank you, Tim, nonetheless. He says time to go back to the shrine of LRT to pray for better supercoach fortune. <laughs> uh, if things don't turn around there may be a need for a human sacrifice to appease the almighty <laughs> LRT. If Clayton breaks Marshall this week, I nominate him. You know what? I nominate JB. I think um we could we could sacrifice JB to, to the almighty LRT. <laughs> but then we've probably overpaid, so we, we'd have to ask for some sort of change in exchange for JB's <laughs> sacrifice. We, like, that, that's, like, that's like going to dinner and it's like, you know, 60 bucks and you pay with a $100 note. Like, you don't just go, yeah, keep that one. That's like double what I've just, you know, had for dinner. You, you expect some sort of change. That's kind of that situation. Um, he has also mentioned if Clayton breaks Marshall. Now, I think this if, if Clayton brings in Marshall this week, and something happens. This will be the fourth. Is it the fourth week in a row he's brought someone in, and that week they got injured? Is that right? Or was it th- this would be the fourth week? He's done it three weeks in a row. I think that's correct. So Clayton is in slack. Um, when I first read it, for some reason I thought Clayton Oliver, and I was very confused. Um, but now <laughs> this makes a lot more sense. So um, yeah, this is. And maybe we'll sacrifice him anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. I'm still trying to get over your JB. I think it was a compliment where you asked for change from yeah. JB sacrifice. It was very like confusing. JB. JB's great. <laughs> don't you be right. mock on my boy. Yeah, don't listen to the previous podcasts. He's been very nice about you as well. Very, very nice. Oh, okay. Anyway. Uh, All right, I'll just believe what's... you. <laughs> Do you want me to read this one? Is that what you're getting to? Read this one? Yeah, you want me to read this one? We've got a donation from Cheezo. The Bahern Man got me. Bahern Man. Shannon. I don't get it. Oh. Oh, I I think I need to increase your humor setting just a little bit. I I think I've I've, I've dropped the humor setting on your your console too low. Do you want to say it one more time just to make sure I I understand it? The Bahern Man. Um, Okay. Yep, that was the (laughs) head. <laughs> oh man! But thank you to Chizo for your donation, uh, the Cancer Council, and myself, and and you and I both really appreciate mm. it. Do you, do you want to have a guess overall in totality what milestone we're going to crack very very soon for the Cancer Council? We must be creeping pretty close to that ten thousand dollar mark since you're, we started. You're right. That's nine thousand six hundred and nine dollars and four cents that we've got to so far from the amazing community that supports us. We're almost gonna hit ten K in the silliest possible money raising way ever, donating for Supercoach <laughs> Donuts 
it can produce so much I don't know you call it good karma whatever I, I just love it and I love everyone that gets on board and becomes part of it and tries to turn a negative into a positive which is what the Cancer Council is all about to begin with and uh, I, I don't know I think we need to do special something special for that 10k milestone I'm not sure Pistol but um, it just gets me a little bit teary thinking about it <laughs> uh, yes we both <laughs> very much appreciate it um, Chizo We've gone out of completely out of order. I'm sure some people have just already switched off because they assume there's going to be no more Supercoach chatter. Aha. But I believe they would be wrong, wouldn't they? Uh, would they? Yeah, oh, yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. We're getting into insert amazing podcast transition here. Pistols, Supercoach rule change ideas. Whoa. <laughs> That's all I can do on the spot, mate. I'm, who do you expect I am, that guy from Police Academy? Yeah, that that would be very handy right now. (laughs) Incredibly handy. So, again, we're making it a recurring segment because uh, of the absolute love um, it has been receiving uh, online, on Twitter, and Slack, everywhere. Um, I'm loving the feedback that I'm getting as well. So, I'm just going to go back to what I think was maybe the better solution out of uh, the couple of options uh, that were given to me talking about um, the players price changing if they've played less than 50% time on ground Um, one of the solutions I heard which was very interesting which was actually from Supercoach Insider and they suggested that perhaps the price doesn't drop that week so if they get injured and they play you know less than 50% game time their price is locked for that round but that means that when they do play the next time their price falls and they also cop that fall that they would have gotten in that game they got injured. So it's just a larger fall. So it's like so a what this, big fall. It's like a big fall, which just means that we would then be able to pick up players cheaper still. Like there'd still be value picks throughout the season, um, which was an interesting idea um, because whilst I don't really like value picks as a general, but that's more my opinion than you know an actual thing that other people probably believe um because i think it makes you know for less uh, i guess less different players mm-hmm. um i don't mind that as a solution as well and it was definitely something i didn't think of so thank you for that suggestion um it was, it was certainly interesting but the thing i want to harp on today isn't actually a i guess we'll call it a, a game mechanic in terms of um, a scoring system or currently what is done for overall gameplay. But I'm taking a look at the league focus. I can't be the only person that thinks we need to have like more options for our own leagues. We have a really standard league settings, and I think that we could kind of have a bit of a play around. And it might be time where you can submit a league team and an overall team and keep them separate if you want to play separate or if you just care about leagues, have a league team. And some of the options I'm thinking um, in in a customizable league could be um, perhaps a league where you can set the salary cap at the beginning of the season. So there'd have to be a range, but maybe you can increase oh, or decrease cool. it. Yeah, by like 500k increments, maybe you make like an easy mode or a hard mode for your whole league. Um, and I think people would have a lot of fun with that one. So I'm thinking that could be customizable. Maybe trades. Maybe you get to pick back down the 20 trades, like classic, classic. Or maybe you want to go all the way to like 40 trades where people get to trade like every week or, you know, something that can play around with that. Um, maybe there's a different scoring system in terms of you still have the normal super coach scoring system, but maybe it works kind of like a, a motor GP or something like that, where if you, you come first out of the weekly score, you get like 50. 15 points and if you come second you get 12 points and it works down so at the end of the year you can see you know who's got the highest tally and has done um well you know consistently from a weekly score basis throughout the whole season um maybe there's a league where you get to like select a basically a new team every week so it just like resets your team every single week and it's just like a weekly battle um something like that so I think the options are endless, and I'm not sure that our current league uh, settings is maybe the best way to go. I think there's definitely, well, I know certainly that a lot of people kind of take their own imagination out of the game, and they end up having to use Excel and you know work out the scores in their own way based on a different scoring system or whatever they may choose to do, and can't actually do it 
in the Supercoach uh, game itself just because the functionality isn't there. So if you have any ideas that you want to throw out with like cool new things for league gameplay, um, I think league overall could be uh, improved. So definitely um, give us a shout on, on our Twitters or if you're in the Slack, go for it. Um, let us know all your suggestions. I'll shoot one back at you, Pistol, now. Um, this is probably not the most exciting thing, but it's something that drives me insane and I love the work of all the guys on Twitter that put out stats and stuff for us but I just wish on the actual Supercoach site there was the ability to input projections so like um, you think that the projections that the um, the, the Supercoach stats it puts up a you know grossly uh, incorrect you could just like type in you know <laughs> danger 110 um, instead of like 160 that is projected or whatever. Um, and then you can actually see what flow and effect for multiple weeks that will do to his price. So you have a better ability to kind of um, work around your remaining, um, you know, that, that upgrading period coming up to the buys where, you you know, you've got rookies coming in, you've got premiums coming down in price. You tr- you're trying to figure out who you can afford, who you can't afford. I think that would give a lot more flexibility because we're trying to grab this data from three four five different locations and trying to input it into one thing and a lot of times me personally i just kind of give up on the whole thing because i can't get an accurate reading on what he might end up um costing in a couple weeks if this happens or that happens or he gets this tag you know and that the the website hasn't planned that into account because this tag has just come back onto the scene so um i would love the ability to actually input manually what kind of scores he might get and then see the the website update his projection and say oh actually i'm going to get him for about 50k cheaper in two weeks if i just wait i'm going to hold this trade you know i'd love to see that kind of stuff yeah i think that's a really good idea cheeser but i do want to remind you whose section this is so uh maybe maybe keep that to the uh down low and next time uh you hey, know, that wasn't a p- rule that wasn't a rule <laughs> that wasn't the pistol supercoach rule changes that was a cheeser's website functionality changes well Oh, yeah, I can't wait for that section next week. <laughs> <laughs> okay, great. Uh, and the last thing we've got to jump into before we do wrap up, uh, Pistol, is actually a brand new section that we came up with five minutes before we hit record on the podcast just completely randomly that it would be a really good idea that if we had a little section towards the back end of the year where we reflect a little bit on some of the things that we wish we knew at the beginning, some of the things that we have learnt along the way, and it's more like a lessons learnt, um, you know, segment to the podcast, Pistol, and uh, just take us through one thing that you've learnt in the 2019 season um, that you may not have really understood at the start of the year. Look, I think... This will be a great addition to the uh, the podcast moving forward, especially in these last couple of weeks. But the biggest thing I wish I had learned from the beginning of the season, because I have made notoriously terrible captaincy calls in the first like 15 weeks. I've only just got my head around it. And that's just captaining Grundy every week. <laughs> it's essentially all I have to do is put the vice captaincy or captaincy on him, no matter who he plays every single week. I don't know why it took me such a long time. I'd always try and shark a midfield score or do a midfielder into a midfielder or a midfielder into Gorn. I don't know what it is, but Grundy, for some reason, I managed to just mess up um, just way too many times and if I had just captained him literally just straight captained him every single week I would be so far better off in my total points um I would yeah I'd be I'd be pushing JB so this is uh something that is so obvious and he's clearly the best fantasy player especially right now there's there's no reason not to put the VC or C on him I wish I just had done that from round one Chiso I'm gonna say something that is gonna be probably a little controversial I mean, I totally agree with you. He's in only 58% of teams. He is, what is this? He's eight points ahead of the next best player in the game, who's also played one less game in Max Gorn. He is um, a full 10 points plus ahead of the the third best, and that's uh, the first midfielder in Lockie Neal. If he doesn't win the Brownlow this year, I don't know we can ever consider the Brownlow the best player in the AFL. It's just a, a, 
meaningless award from now on. If he doesn't win this year, tell me a player that has been more influential in 2019 than Brody Grundy. I know, Tim Kelly or something? Over the length of the entire year, Brody Grundy is miles ahead of every midfielder. You know, the amount of Five? work that he goes <laughs> into the team. Missing games. Lockie Neal has a six-week period where he can't get his hands on the ball. Max Gorn gets injured. You know, all the regular suspects. Tim Kelly's going to take points off Dangerfield. They both had good games. They both have really terrible tagged out of it completely games. Brody Grundy is just that consistent impact. He's at every single contest. There's, he's been playing sore during the year. He, there's nothing he can't do. He's putting up numbers that midfielders can't put up. Like, is it even a... I, 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 if he doesn't win it, then I'm just completely gobsmacked. I mean, I yeah, wouldn't be surprised because they're not going to give it to a Ruckman because it's a midfielder's award. But he's just incredible. When you, wa- when you watch him, you don't watch the game as a whole. You don't follow the tennis ball bounce of the ball going around the ground. You watch the work he puts in to get from contest to contest. And every single facet of his game is exceptional and further above any, other, any one of his peers in terms of Ruckman. Like... He- <laughs> Lost for words, mate. Like I, I would, if if I could pick anyone in the game to be on my team in, in Essendon, it'd be Brody Grundy. I mean, and that's not even for the fact that we got no Ruckman. I don't care what Ruckman you had in that. I would still take Brody Grundy over anyone. I think a couple of things might hurt him. One, Collingwood's form in the last five weeks, where Grundy has absolutely dominated, uh, has not been very good. So we've dropped games where we shouldn't have. Ablett won it coming last. No, no, I know that can happen. I just think that also, you know, in conjunction with him being a ruckman and for teams that are losing, that he might be even more overlooked than he should be. So that might, you know, hamper his potential even more. But you're right. If if a mid if a if a ruckman in this particular season where there's been no real standout option, you know, week after week, if he can't finish in the top three in the Brownlow, you know. I don't know what you can do about it, but I guess it would just be a little disappointing. Of the last five years, every single year, we basically knew who was going to win it halfway through the season. Yeah, that's it. uh, We knew Danger was going to win this year. We knew Dusty was going to win this year. Last year, Titch was going to win by the length of the straight. Um, And it's one of those seasons this year where we have no midfielders that are genuinely going, I demand this award. And they've all had missed games through injury or they've played a different role or they've had bad form. He's the best player. I, I don't know how else to say it. I said I was going to be controversial when I brought up this topic. At me if you want to. Just give me more follows on Twitter. <laughs> Chizo, I'm just going to say something ridiculous. After I just what said that. If, okay, all right, go for it. This, this is even more ridiculous because I haven't even thought it through. Wait, for is one this second. getting out of hand? Is this like ridiculous, ridiculous? Yeah, it's pretty ridiculous. Okay, go for it. I can't wait. This is great. No one's going to at so, me now. <laughs> yeah, no, no one will, trust me, after this. Um, so Saints have that easy run, right? So what if uh, Ron Marshall... A Hunter Clark is just not going to win it. <laughs> <laughs> what if Ron Marshall were to snag a good, you know, 12 votes in, the, in this run home as well as, you know, he's had some big games throughout the season? Any chance that he might even... Do an Angus Brayshaw hold... from last year? Well, yeah, I wasn't going to put him in the top three, but I was thinking potentially even outpoll all of the other Ruckman. Potentially, I think the only thing that would play against him in that respect is the fact that <laughs> no one knows who he is. That's like, what I was going to say. That like, tall guy. <laughs> the, the first three or four games, like everyone's just like, "Oh, it's just Ron Marshall." Like we, we weren't even cons- like thinking that he was going to keep his spot. It was only after the buys we really went, "Yeah, this guy's kind of something." And I kind of feel like those that were doing the votes would do the same thing. They were like, "Oh yeah, that guy had a good game." Who was that guy? Oh, I don't know. Just give the votes to Seb Ross. Billy Longer? <laughs> yeah, Billy Longer. Yeah, give me Billy Longer two votes. Um, <laughs> I think that's the only thing that's going to play against him and the fact that Grundy's played two more games and a lot of the other contenders have played more games than him. Fair enough. It was uh, outrageous. But anyway, uh, Chizo, would you like to wrap up the podcast? No, I'm, I'm kind of really enjoying talking to you, mate. <laughs> 
Well, I'll wrap it up. Uh, <laughs> if you want to find us on Twitter, you can find myself at pistol underscore drsc. If you want to find Chizo, you can find Chizo underscore drsc, and that is with a Z. Uh, for JB, you can find him at jb underscore drsc. Chizo, thank you so much for joining me on this podcast. Uh, I really appreciate having you and. Uh, Thank you, community. It's been great to be on. It's just going to calm that little bit of a uh, tension building in the Slack channel saying, has has Pistol, uh, has Chizo abandoned us? Where, where's where's Chizo? <laughs> has Chizo abandoned us? We're, hashtag, we want Chizo back. So it's just going to calm that a little bit. So uh, um, I'll go for, uh, this week I'm going to go for three weeks and just see if I can, I'm going to find that breaking point <laughs> and then I'm just going to just keep under that little level just from there on. Well, I'm glad you came back. We finally could uh, get, pist- <laughs> get Pistol to see uh, in Chizo. All right. Thanks, community. We'll talk to you later.